momentarily. Good morning, as opposed to afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the City Council's Budget and Audit Committee. As we begin um, a month or more long discussion and deliberation of the city budget, would the clerk please call the roll of the committee to establish a quorum? Thank you. Councilmember Talamantes? Here. Vice Mayor Guetta? Here. Mayor Pro Tem Vang? Here. And Mayor Steinberg? I am here. Would everyone please rise for the opening acknowledgement, uh, land acknowledgement, and the Pledge of Allegiance, which I would be privileged to lead without objection. <laughs> All right. To the original people of this land, the Nisenan people, the Southern Maidu Valley and Plains Miwok, Patton Wintoon peoples, and the people of the Wilton Rancheria, Sacramento's only federally recognized tribe. May we acknowledge and honor the native people who came before us and still walk beside us today on these ancestral lands by choosing to gather today in the active practice of acknowledgement and appreciation for Sacramento's indigenous people's history, contributions, and lives. Please join me in the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. So members, before I turn it over uh, to the city manager to begin uh, the presentation and the overview of uh, the 2023-24 budget, let me uh, just welcome all of those who are watching and all those in the audience, including um, the leaders of our city, um, our, our, our city team, department heads, and, and uh, people in various uh, degrees of important responsibilities here in our city. A budget is the value statement of a city. And as such, it probably is the most important thing we do as a city council throughout the course of a year. I'll save my, my uh, substantive comments for a little bit later. This is a little bit different. Um, it's a little bit more austere, I think, than in the previous years. And yet, uh, there are always opportunities. And, uh, we approach that in that spirit, in that light. I turn it over to my partner uh, in this endeavor to help lead this city, and that is the city manager, Howard Chin. Great. Good morning. Thank you, Mayor and members of the Budget and Audit Committee. Uh, I'm pleased to be here today to present to you the proposed budget for the fiscal year 2023-24. Uh, uh, the proposed budget totals over $1.4 billion for operations and capital projects and is balanced. Uh, I'd like to first take this opportunity to thank all the city staff, many of whom you see are in the audience right now, who worked hard over the last several months to help uh, analyze some data and compile the information such that you have this proposed budget before you. I especially want to thank uh, Merthala Santizo and her budget team. Uh, you know, they have really been the, the key to pulling this all together and synthesizing all the information from the departments. And of course, out of my office, Lainey Milstein, uh, Assistant City Manager. Uh, 
Well, you know, we've talked about this uh, at length over the last year or so, but we're, we're now just coming out of the, uh, the pandemic and we're recovering. Uh, and overall, we fared very well. And you've heard the mayor say that, uh, and, and I agree, we've, uh, you know, we've been so fortunate to have received over $200 million in federal aid in the form of Coronavirus Relief Fund, uh, the American Rescue Plan um, Act, uh, over $200 million to help us weather the storm here. And we're finally, and, and, and heap and hap, which continues uh, from the state uh, beyond this. Uh, revenues have returned to uh, pre-pandemic levels for the most part in some areas, but what we're seeing is that the revenue growth is slowing and it's stabilizing. And that's largely due to, you know, interest rate hikes and inflation. Uh, you know, the, uh, this will continue to challenge our capacity to deliver programs and services in the future, provided we don't have additional revenues coming in, uh, whether it's from the feds or from the state. Uh, in addition, all of the city's labor agreements are coming due this calendar year. Uh, and as I've stated previously, and this council has wholeheartedly supported, we need to clearly demonstrate that we value our employees and the employees who are responsible for delivering the vital services the residents expect of us. Uh, valuing our employees and bolstering core services will also help with the ongoing, it's just, uh, it's been a real challenge with recruitment and retention. I do believe that through the negotiations process that we're undergoing now, uh, we'll be able to achieve a better outcome. Uh, lastly, uh, we continue to implement the city-county partnership agreement born out of Measure O uh, in our efforts to ensure the unhoused residents have access to services and shelter. Mayor, thank you for your partnership in helping us get that agreement across the finish line. It, it was a lot of hard work and uh, I think it's uh, paying huge dividends. Uh, key to those efforts are identifying and utilizing the partners best suited to provide uh, the much needed comprehensive wraparound services to address homelessness. I look forward to continuing to work with our council, our county partners, and the community to tackle this very complex issue. Uh, and so with that said, there's a lot to cover today and in the weeks ahead as we bring the proposed budget back to the council for final approval in June. Uh, I'll now hand this off to Murthala, who will continue with the overview and the presentation. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Howard. Good morning. My name is Murthala Santizo, and I'm the budget manager. And I will walk you through the fiscal 24 proposed budget. If it's fine with the committee, I will present both items two and three together as they are related. The proposed operating and capital budget was released on May 1st and is available on the city's website. This is in um, Mithal, I'm sorry. I think we probably need you to move to the podium. It's just, is this on? Uh, won't go any lower. Oh, it won't go any lower. Um, so okay. You can sit if you like. That way you're closer to the mic. Oh, okay. Can you? It's is a this little... better? Maybe not. I think you're fine. Okay, we'll, sorry. No, it's not your fault. We'll, we'll, we'll work it out. A little vertically challenged, so the podium doesn't work for me. That's <laughs> yeah, okay. So. I think you're the right height. <laughs> Perfect way to kick off budgets. Anyway. 
All right, this is an overview of what we'll be covering this morning, which includes a summary of the total budget, details on general fund and measure U funds, the forecast, enterprise funds, um, our future challenges. There's also a companion report that was submitted with the proposed budget, and that contains fiscal 23 recommended budgetary and administrative adjustments. Some of these adjustments are included in the fiscal 24 budget, so any changes to that would require a modification to the budget. So just a brief overview, our city's budget total 1.5 billion and approximately half of it is general fund and measure U funds. 757 million is for operations and 14 million is for capital. The enterprise budget is 402 million and all other funds total 294 million. Our proposed budget represents a recovery and right sizing budget, meaning that all of the augmentations were tied to operational challenges, um, I'm sorry, operational changes due to the pandemic or the economy. Most department augmentations were either covered by increases to department revenues or expenditure offsets or reductions. And all augmentations support council's priorities and initiatives and or regulatory requirements. For general fund measure U expenditures, there are a few contributing factors to the increase over fiscal 23's budget. Labor increased by 22.4 million or by approximately 4%. While this is not a comprehensive list of all the changes that occurred in the labor budget, the increase includes approximately eight, 18 million wages, 9 million in pension, 1 million in SCRS pension, and 1 million in health costs. There were other increases and decreases that contributed to the final amount. We will continue to see increases in general and auto liability. Large liability losses are one of the drivers. The budget includes an approximately 5.3 million increase, um, which is approximately 18% over fiscal 23's budget. One of the largest augmentation um, is for the children's fund at 8.8 million. The to overall total for augmentations is 8 million, which is partially due to the recovery in department revenues over the last year. And as I mentioned earlier, many of the augmentations were offset by revenue increases or expenditure offsets and decreases. Okay, moving on to general fund and measure U revenues. As the city continues to recover from the pandemic, many revenue streams have recovered. While it's great that the city has, for the most part, recovered, what we're now seeing is a slowdown in growth due to the high interest and inflation rates. So this is reflected in our forecast growth assumptions, which you can see in the chart. Property tax has the largest increase at 8.4%, but is forecasted to grow at an average of 2.5% annually thereafter. For the sales and measure U tax, there's a decrease of 0.1% and 3.3 thereafter. Higher inflation has caused prices to increase, which has decreased households' ability to purchase discretionary goods. <coughs> Cannabis BOT also saw a decrease at 6.9%, and it remains flat in the forecast until we receive more data. And then finally, user, utility user tax has an increase of 3.8% and 0.5 thereafter, um, an increase in electricity rates earlier this calendar year is what's driving the increase in 24. There are a few revenue challenges for 24. Um, as I mentioned earlier, the high interest inflation rates continue to affect revenues, and also our parking fund remains below pre-pandemic levels um, due to the decrease in off-street parking. Okay. 
So I'm about to go through the forecast. Um, we, I will present two different forecasts. The first one that's shown here is without homeless services, and the second one includes it. So this will allow the committee to see what the ending fund balance looks like with both scenarios. The revenues and expenditures in the forecast include includes the fiscal year 24 proposed budget and updated growth percents. In fiscal year 24, we're projecting that revenues will be higher than expenditures. However, from fiscal year 25 forward, expenditures will outpace revenues, which can be seen in the surplus deficit row. This will be something that finance will track closely and update once we get better data. In the other source and uses section, we have a reserve of 10 million from fiscal year 21 year-end resources. We also have included a proposed 20.5 million reserve from fiscal year 22 year-end resources and 3 million for the impact fee waiver program for fiscal year 25 forward. I'll talk about both of these items a little bit more in the presentation. And then finally, the approval of Measure L is included at 8.8 .8 million. It is forecasted at 8.8 .8 million until 20, fiscal year 28, and that is due to cannabis BOT revenues forecast remaining flat. This will, um, this will be another part of the forecast that we'll update once we get better data. Okay, so our projected fiscal year 24 ending fund balance without homeless services is about 2.2 million. In this forecast, we are not projected to go into deficit until fiscal year 26. Um, the one thing I do want to mention is that there are several costs that are not included in the forecast. As our city manager mentioned earlier, all 11 of our labor contracts will end in this calendar year. Um, as we know what the cost impact will, until we know what the cost impact will be, it's not included in the forecast. Also, the passage of the advanced clean fleets regulation at the California Air Resource Board will have a financial impact. We do not have an estimate on what it would take to transition from purchasing fuel power vehicles to zero emission vehicles and also the necessary infrastructure to support them. So this is the forecast with homeless services. Um, essentially, the top part of the forecast is the same as the one that you just saw, and it just includes the homeless services uh, costs in the bottom. We, we've only included resources that are known at this time. So as you can see, for 24, we have all the known resources, and then fiscal year 25 and forward, we do not. Um, until we get an award letter from the state about additional HAP funding or we receive any other funding sources, we will be showing the gap in the forecast. We're getting more money. Yeah. <laughs> you know, actually, this might be a good place to pause, Merthal, and okay. pull up the, uh, the, um, the analysis uh, that I've asked you to prepare that shows the composition of the $42 million. Sure. Uh, and you could do it on overhead. She'll have it on overhead. I actually have it here. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah, as, as she's looking for that, uh, the mayor's right. This does not contemplate uh, money coming in from the state that uh, we believe is coming and uh, will likely or possibly uh, be uh, permanent ongoing. So um, that's the hope. One-time funding consecutively for so many years that it becomes de facto permanent. I'll take it. That's government speak for <laughs> keep fighting every year for the next tranche, yes. It's sorry to interrupt your flow here. No, that's sorry fine. about that. <laughs> that was my phone. No, no, all good. I think it's important to show that 
you know, while uh, we. Okay, so the, the following chart provides details on the contracts that make up homeless services costs in our forecast. Um, while the budget includes the funding necessary for each contract through June 30th, the dates presented are when the current contracts expire. And the following timeline gives you a visual of when those contracts expire and how much money is associated with each of the contracts. So as you see here in, uh, in June, we have about $13.3 million of contracts that are lapsing. Uh, and then you've, you move down to below the line in July. We're going to have a 1.3 in August, 11.5, September, 3.8, so, uh, so on and so forth. This is just uh, so that the council gets an idea of if, uh, again, um, you know, the, uh, the funding does not materialize for some reason or is delayed, uh, we can make some of these decisions along the, the way, uh, all with the backstop of making sure that we have sufficient funding to uh, finalize our uh, labor negotiations. So it's a, it's a cash flow, potentially just a cash flow problem. Thanks, Marthala. I'll move forward. Um, let me just actually let me make sure that I mentioned everything in regards to the forecast. Let me go back to the forecast real quick and just kind of end what I was going to say. Um, so, with the homeless services added, our projected fiscal year 24 ending fund balance is about 1.1 million, and we're projected to go into deficit starting in fiscal year 25. And again, um, like I mentioned with the other forecast. Um, this will look completely different when labor contracts are added and also when we determine the cost for the zero emissions vehicle conversion. Okay. All right. So moving on to enterprise funds, um, the parking fund continues to have the most difficulty returning back to pre-pandemic levels. In the five-year forecast, revenues continues to be below pre-pandemic levels. This will continue to be the case if parking garages continue to be partially used. In order to help the parking fund in fiscal 24, we are proposing an allocation of 633,000 in fiscal 23 to help the fund meet their debt service obligations. I'll discuss the 633,000 in a, a little bit more detail later in the presentation. Um, and our other enterprise funds are balanced or have fund balance to cover their fiscal 24 needs. So in this last, in this slide, um, I talked a little bit about some of these things already, but in general, um, aside from parking, uh, we have some of our 
typical challenges that we see year over year, um, pension costs are expected to increase 18% over the next four years, which is about 24 million. General and auto liabilities expected to increase by 50% over the next four years, which is about 18.5 million. And then of course, as mentioned earlier, the slowdown in the economy, labor contracts, and um, the zero emission vehicle conversion will also have an impact to the forecast. So now I'm about to go into the um, companion report that went along with the fiscal 24 budget. Um, if there are no questions at this time, I will just continue on with my presentation. Okay. Yeah, why don't you go through that and then we'll do all the questions all at once. Okay, great. Thank you. All right, so these are recommended budget adjustments and administrative authority requests that will allow the city to complete fiscal year 23 and also ensure that the fiscal year 24 budget is balanced. Okay, so staff recommends committing $20.5 in fiscal year 23 general fund measure U year-end resources to assist with the operating deficit. So what this consists of is $17.6 that comes from the fiscal year 22 year-end resources, and then the remainder will come from the recommended 2.9 um, citywide revenue adjustments that you see in the chart. We're also recommending an adjustment of 650000 for the city treasurer's office. Okay. And so due to the effects of the pandemic, council approved $12.3 in fiscal year 22's general fund monies to support the community center fund, Sacramento Tourism Infrastructure District Fund, and Parking Fund. Um, these monies were to help them meet their required debt service obligations. Uh, but after a review of the fund conditions, it was determined that 7.1 of the community center fund and STID fund was no longer needed. So staff is recommending that it be reallocated to the following priorities, 3.5 million for the citywide litigation project, 3 million for the impact waiver fee program, and this will cover their fiscal year 24 costs. And then an additional 633,000 for the parking fund um, to help them meet their debt service obligations through fiscal year 24. We're also recommending administrative authorities. Um, the first one is to just create a multi-year operating project or a MIOP for the Children's Fund so that we can appropriate funding starting in fiscal year 24. And then um, resetting the city manager's authority for sections 5.4 and 13.9 of the fiscal year 23 approved budget reso um, to provide necessary funding for citywide strategy plan my op and this is to help um, human resources with labor negotiations. Okay, so what's next for the budget process? Um, we have another budget hearing later on tonight um, to discuss the same presentation and I will also go over the consolidated department budget. On May 16th, we return to council, discuss CIP, citywide fees and charges and um, youth parks and community enrichment, fire and the police department's budgets. Um, we'll have another budget audit meeting on May 30th, and then we will come back on June 13th to adopt the budget. This concludes my presentation. I'd like to thank the city manager's office, my budget team for their dedication and hard work throughout the season, the departments for being great partners throughout this process, and finance staff are available to answer any questions. Thank you. Very much. All right. Um, 
Do we have anyone signed up to testify publicly? May I have no speakers in chambers or on Zoom to speak on this item? So I want to make a comment about that. And I'm going to make that comment. I'm going to make the same comment again tonight. Um, to the, the care holders in our community, the business community, as one care holder, but all of the communities, um, please pay attention to the city budget. Please come to our chambers. I know it's the middle of a, the work day, but tonight, 5 o'clock, we have another meeting, and we will have meetings, of course, throughout uh, the month of May and, and early June. It's really important that you show up. If you have comments, concerns about the level of traditional public safety funding, this is your chamber. If you have concerns about youth funding, if you have concerns about climate, which is one thing I'm going to raise, you know, during the course of our, our deliberations here uh, about trying to do something in the midst of, you know, a, a steer budget to continue to uh, build our climate program, show up. Um, it, it's, it's interesting, and I will admit a little bit frustrating, that um, you know, a lot of folks out there complain about X, Y, or Z, but then when it comes to the most important document and most important decision that a city council makes and that a city has to make, it's the chambers, thankfully, I'm glad you're all here, members of the city team and staff, but I would encourage the public to show up. That's all. Okay, I, uh, and then I want to get into some detail here. Uh, Vice Mayor, go, you go first. Go, go. Thank you. Uh, you know, first couple couple questions here, um, and it occurred to me in the. Uh, let me start with the with the adjusting of the current year budget. The city manager is requesting a myop for both um, labor and measure L, and um, I think rightly so and appropriate, but. One conversation that we've been having over and over again is about our language access policy that Councilmember Vang has uh, put forward together. But um, I didn't see a request for a MIOP. And I am, my understanding is that as we're working through the loan list process for a platform, the city manager's office is also working on a um, uh, on a on an internal path. So, but I don't I don't see that reflected in the budget. So that concerns me because if we're if we're not putting it in the budget, then I wonder whether there's going to be revenue for that. So, um, you know, and I'm assuming it's a much less than the amount of amount that we focus on on. Uh, the labor myops. Let me ask you that for first question there. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. We have a meeting coming up to talk a little bit more about uh, how the, the two um, approaches get married. We're, we're creating the, uh, the citywide policy, and we're looking at using that to inform the ordinance structure. We are meeting, I think it's next week, uh, with, uh, with you and, and Mayor Pro Tem to talk about that. And sure. whatever that dollar amount is that we agree upon, we'll make it into the, uh, the well, between proposed and adopted. So there are going to be some adjustments between now and June... 13th. So that will make its way in, into the, the the budget that you're going to consider on June 13th, whatever that number is. Um, great. Thank you. That adds one question there. So let me go back to just more high-end overview here. In years past, and at least in the last eight years, every time we have a budget presentation, we have this, um, you know, immense cliff that, whoa, by the time we get closer and closer to 
2026 because of PEP run purse calculation, um, you know, there's no way we're going to meet our, our fiscal needs. But all of a sudden, I don't see that reflected here. In fact, I see a higher increase. And, um, and it, it occurred to me that, that, you know, I guess the question, why is this year's 2027, 2028 projections different than in years past? And I don't have them in the past to begin with in here. You know, I'll, I'll let, uh, uh, let me, you know, Mirthala or Lainey chime in here for a bit. But you heard in the presentation from Mirthala that our pension costs are rising. I think it was 18 uh, percent. We're seeing the impacts of PEPRA much faster than we have in the past. But maybe you could provide some additional detail on on the yeah. rate in which uh, it, our employees that are would peppering. be helpful. The rate isn't because I think it's been in the order of magnitude of like 20 million, 30 million dollar deficit because of PEPRA. But I don't now all of a sudden I don't I don't even see that. So so what's the the question is what's the phase in for PEPRA now as uh, as compared to what we thought it would be? Sure, um, we made a major adjustment this year in estimating um, our pension costs because our PEPRA employees are now almost 60 percent. A little above 60%, and we had had them as a much lower uh, cohort in our uh, financial modeling, and that actually helps us. But what really hurt us was the June 30, uh, 2022 PERS uh, oh, okay. year end. They were down almost a little above 7%, which when you have a 7% nut to crack, it means they were negative 14. And so we have to ramp that up over five years, then we stay steady for 15, and then we ramp it back down over five years because it's a 20-year amortization period. So we are constantly updating that. Every year we, we take into account our employee census, we take into account the, the rates that PERS sends us annually um, based on their current year gains losses. and um, They've built us a calculator now uh, so that we can better estimate based on our census, and we've built our own calculators. But it's not just uh, uh, our PERS costs, as the city manager and Marthala both mentioned. We are seeing extreme rises in costs relative to our insurance liabilities. Uh, and we have seen where we used to have 3% in the out years on property taxes, we were down at 25 now on the revenue side. So both sides are changing, the expenditure side and the revenue side, and they will change all year, every year, as we gain more data, and then we come out with our forecasts, and, and um, um, that's what gets built in into this five-year forecast. But it's different every year for a variety of reasons. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, the, 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 and I'm glad you bring up the insurance liability because I bring this up each time. What, my understanding is we're in a, in a large pool um, with other local jurisdictions, or we now are? No, we're actually self-insured, and so we take on policies for general and auto liability. With auto liability. Um, with auto liability, we are not in a pool. We are self-insured, and so we have self-insured retentions that we have to, Shelly, I'm double-checking. Um, um, she is my lie detector. Um, and so we take on the burden of those um, experiences. It's based on experience and exposure, and then they do a cost estimate, and we actually have a risk funding policy that council adopted. It's in the budget, which requires us to make um, certain contributions at certain levels based on our estimated um, cost from our insurance actuary. And so you're seeing the reflect of both our experience and exposure. We had an anomaly, I believe, through the recession where we had um, a substantially um, lower experience and exposure, but as we have staffed up and ramped up, our experience and exposure has increased, and that's resulted in uh, 
additional costs. And in fact, in between about two days after we went to print, we got a letter from our insurance carrier that some of our um, premium placements are gonna be higher than expected. We're gonna have to see how that folds into what we've budgeted and if it doesn't uh, work out, we'll be back to you with a proposal to increase our expenditures between proposed and approved. Okay, I appreciate that. And then so, uh, and this is a, a, a comment I made before, but um, I'd like to continue to see what are we doing to um, to reduce our our training. Uh, I know we've got EVOC that all of our staff are going through, but what are the efforts that we're doing to reduce that cost? And also, should we be, uh, I don't know, I'm not familiar with the insurance market, but should we be looking at, um, as we're looking at our policies and our training for our staff, should we be looking at other market? Now, this is a smaller number, but I feel like every time we come in to closed session, you know, we're, we're having this conversation about our, um, our risk here. So, uh, but th that's, a, again, a smaller number here to that point. Um, the other piece I want to bring back on, um, let me go, let me, let me switch over here to on uh, the contracts and the cash flow aspect of it, because I do have some concerns, uh, programs, particularly, you know, those that are in my district or service my district near that area, um, such as St. John's or Weave that we've had those contracts. Is there, has there been a conversation with the providers for um, the service that they're providing and how, what's the longevity of the, of the service that they can provide? How will the city interact with them in the future or are these contracts ending here? And um, uh, particularly when, you know, we, we find, we, we seem to be have found a rhythm in helping people out of their situation into a very positive place. But maybe city manager, if you can talk yeah, I mean, uh, Nick, I don't know if Nixon here, he could chat a little bit about specifically those two um, partners, but uh, in general, it's there, it's year to year. It's not as predictable as we'd like uh, because the funding's not as predictable as right. we'd like. And if we can get some more certainty from the state, we can have those types of conversations. But I'm not sure when those uh, conversations have happened, uh, but they they are aware that, the, you know, contracts are going to lapse on certain expiration dates. So, Nick? Yes, and we're planning to bring those contracts in particular uh, to extend at least through uh, through August. And we do have dollars that are identified in the current next fiscal year budget that could be able to uh, to continue them without adjustment. Very good. Well, thank you, Nick. And I, and you know, as we move closer through the budget, I'd like to find out kind of where we are on some of these programs. City Refuge Services, a lot of that area, St. John's, um, we've it has a, a, a citywide approach, but. Um, uh, a, a, a component out there. Um, thank you. And then, um, you know, the, uh, you know, I also feel confident on, at least in the conversations that have been happening, um, you know, at the state level uh, about uh, our ability to access those resources. But I want to make sure that, that, that we're able to have that flexibility because in the past there's been restrictions on how we can use some of these state dollars. And as we've seen, we've had shown success. So, I would like our city to be uh, also an ambassador for successes in the diversity of the programs, and you know, uh, and uh, and at times we haven't uh, we haven't done that. We've asked for resources, but I think we need to be you know, showing how okay these are these are the successes in certain programs. Um, the um, the next thing I'll, I'll ask here is uh, on um, the revenue side. Thanks, Nick. Appreciate that. Uh, on the revenue side again. Um, you know, it occurred to me that, you know, we, we've actually seemed to be faring a little better than maybe other jurisdictions. But um, can you, Lainey, can you talk a little bit about where uh, our sales tax revenue is and how, you know, what, what, 
information we're receiving about uh, our ability to collect sales tax revenue and what does the future hold for sales tax revenue? Sure, um, our, we get quarterly information, um, but we are six months in arrears. So we will not get, we, we just saw, did we just see our December date? Yeah, we ju I'm sorry, we're three months in arrears. We just got fourth quarter of 22, and it was a little lackluster. And so we are really seeing, and, and especially we're, we're um, reflecting, you can see that in the Measure U, we are actually forecasting a slight decline. Uh, and that's because overall spending, uh, we believe, is in decline as a result of increasing inflation, less dollars in the economy as a result of the federal dollars uh, no longer being available, and people just generally slowing down. Um, we get it by segment, so you've seen before and you'll see in the book and the forecast, you'll get auto sales and business to business, and, and we're fairly confident in our collection of that. The places where we're starting to see change, for example, we've lost money through the county pool uh, because those um, transactions that are not attributable to something that happened as a point of sale here, here will go through the county pool uh, when Amazon changed who owns uh, the ownership of their facilities, what used to come through the county pool and we would get our percentage, now goes directly, to, for example, to the county of Sacramento because they have a f fulfillment center in the county. So we don't get any part of that. We lost money there. Um, so there are always changes in the system that are affecting our revenues and, and we get updated on that quarterly and so we're watching that. Um, you know, folks have said to me, well, we had the playoffs, isn't that great? And it, it was four great nights in 365 days. And so we will see when we get our through March, which will come, happen in June, how did that affect us? And is there anything sustainable about people learning that it's okay to come downtown and have a good time? And perhaps that will be something that could bolster us through the summer. That would be f um, fantastic. And we'll, and we'll start seeing that um, as we get our quarterly results. There are um, some conversations around potentially changing sales tax distribution. Um, but we are not seeing any of that take hold. Uh, and if we were to switch to a destination-based, we know from our measure use sales tax, because it's a transactions and use tax, and it's based on destination, that we as a city would do well, but there would be other cities that would lose as a result of that. So it's something that we need to keep in mind as we consider alternatives to the current model of tax allocation. I appreciate that. And so just some thoughts on, on that, because we've had this conversation in years past. Um, but is what are what's our effort in like we do in the holidays? You know, come downtown and shop at the centers. Like, how do we remind folks that you know? Look, at we use Amazon Prime; it's very convenient. But um, if the fulfillment happens out there, how what's our what's our communication strategy? If maybe our an econ dev where we're yeah. uh, reminding folks about how their sales purchase actually occurs and how we can benefit our, our local city. So you'll f see on our economic development department, um, they have a pretty aggressive program called Shop 916. And they got me, right, because it's a great program. If you buy $100 in gift cards, you get $150 in gift cards. And now it's constantly reminding me, go spend your money in the city of Sacramento. But I think that that's something we know um, that we lose a lot of purchases outside. And we know that because of our transactions in use tax. Because when someone goes to a big center in Roseville and buys something that they put on a truck that comes 
back into Sacramento, we get the transactions and use tax, but we don't get the 1% Bradley Burns, you know, because it was sold here tax. So I think that, you know, each of our council districts, you know, that could be a theme of shop local. Uh, it's hard for us because we don't have the auto dealerships, but everything else we have, we've got the big, you know, furniture stores in Delta Shores. We have all of that within our city. It's just training our residents to keep the dollars here. Great, thanks. And so I'd like to figure out, you know, what, what kind of rate of return, like, you know, and maybe some thoughts on, you know, if there was money allocated to each council district to, um, to, to look at, at that kind of localized message or uh, a way to be, you know, better, you know, at what point do you, you know, do you, do you get a return more by reminding folks through different ways? So I've, I think about much more casual ways that you can have these conversations. So I'd like to figure out, okay, how do we, how do we do, do that part in making sure that we're capturing as much as our local revenue? So just some thoughts for the city manager as, as we move forward. You know, is there a, a small allocation that could help in that? I mean, we do all of these city events, these park events. You know, it, you know I mean, I, I'll tell you, it remind, I, was, I will never forget Bob Barker because he always reminded the spay and neuter their pets. And it was at every little thing. It wasn't, but it was consistent. And it reminds me. Only of, if the price is right. That's right. <laughs> Some people in the audience are, what's, what's the price is right? That's it's right. So, but I, but, uh, but to, my, to my point, so city manager, I'd like to see if, like, if there is something that we can continue to do that as we're moving through this, um, uh, this kind of tumultuous time in, in uh, local spending to recapture sure, our spending. I'll, I'll check in with our economic development folks here. But, you know, as a reminder, we are augmenting the council district budgets this go around as well. And should that not be sufficient, we could look at uh, further augmentation. Sure, sure. And I, I think it, it would be helpful to be in coordination with, with the economic development department. So that's, that, I think that's my, my, uh, my, my hope for that. Uh, and the, the last uh, comment I'll make here right now is with the advanced clean fleets. And so, one, um, it's a very strong, um, you know, message about where we want to be addressing our air quality challenges. Um, I'd like to see, you know, where we are in planning for that, what exemptions we're going to be filing for, uh, and also, um, the, the, is the city um, and some of our colleagues who sit on regional stands, uh, are we pushing also on other, uh, our other JPAs, and I'll bring up regional sanitation for one, um, where we have an opportunity to produce our own local hydrogen and get ahead on the, um, the issue of how do we actually provide a real um, uh, opportunity for our heavy-duty and, uh, you know, mid-sized duty fleets. Like, that is the biggest challenge for us because of the cost of infrastructure. So I'd like to make sure that we're pushing on, uh, as a city, what is the most uh, thoughtful way to, to address our environmental challenges and economic challenges. I, I think there's an opportunity for us to be much more aggressive on the, um, on the economic development side with the advanced fleet rule that's coming out here as well. So I'll leave it at that, Mr. City Manager. Um, and then lastly, last comment is, um, I know we're going through labor negotiations, so we don't negotiate. Those, you know, your team is doing that there, but I do appreciate the, the, the focus on on how, um, how we're making sure that we're having um, a city that is providing the services that we need, that we're uh, sending a message of retention so that we can, you know, be a, an attractive place to work uh, as well. And, uh, and when our workers uh, are, are here, uh, they they're feel valued, that we're going to get a better service delivery to our constituents. So 
um, let me leave it at that, and I, uh, I'll leave uh, uh, the negotiations to your team. So thank you. Thank you very much, Vice <laughs> Mayor. Uh, Councilmember Talamantes. Thank you, Lainey, for telling us a little bit more about the uncertainty of our revenue sources. I don't know if there's anything else that you'd like to expand on that piece, uh, just because I know we're fluctuating as a city. <laughs> uh, sure. I think one of our biggest challenges is, is, is going to be on our um, supplemental and transfer taxes. Those are um, the things that uh, peaked um, before the recession and fell the farthest. We went from about $27 million to $4.6-ish million over a couple of years. And we're already watching volume and value go down. We're about 40% um, of transactions through January and about 32% loss in value. And so that's a, a big, you know, we, we learned our lesson from the recession and we built that in as something that has its own uh, kind of weight to it down so that we're not caught flat-footed. But that is going to be something that could really um, affect us in the future depending on what the Fed continues to do with interest rates and how that affects our real estate market. Um, to the extent that we add um, in both Delta Shores and Greenbrier, both of those and that property tax growth is earmarked to provide fire services in that area. So we have to be very careful in managing that and not putting those into the larger general fund that we have the resources available to provide the services that we're committed to in those areas through the development agreements. So we're going to be watching the property tax side very, very closely. So that's sort of the only other sort of weight that, that we're really concerned about. Thank you. And then I'm confident that we'll get state funding for all our programs, but how does our city-county partnership agreement play a role in this if state funding somehow weren't to come through? <laughs> well, I think, if I may, both the state and the county, excuse me, both the city and the county um, are reliant on, uh, on the continuation of HEAP and HAP, but that isn't the only thing. Of course, the county has more financial tools than we do, and one example of course, is the discussion going on currently uh, in the legislature and in uh, the governor's office about modernizing the Mental Health Services Act so that more of that money, mental health money, is spent on people who are suffering from severe mental illness and or substance abuse who are living in the tent encampments. Not enough money uh, from that source statewide, not just our county, but statewide, it, it is being focused on that that issue, which we know is the issue of our of our time, and so uh, there must be, there will always be a way if we continue to forge forward, both at the local level here in in implementing this partnership, uh, whatever it takes means whatever it takes, and um, if the state continues to push uh, mental health reform, substance abuse reform, and continues to be our partner. You know, there, there is, well, it's a longer discussion. I will just say there is a lot of money out there. Yeah. There is a lot of money. And um, it, it's, it's about, well, it's not all, it's not for our general fund, but there is, a lot of, there is a lot of state money out there and local money for this problem. It's, it's how the money is prioritized. And uh, it has to be prioritized on this problem. Thank but you, Mayor. And then I was really happy to see $3 million in uh, reduced res residential development for affordable housing. 
I know that's a pilot program that our planning department implemented in the last few years, and it was very successful in, in building units and housing our families. And you know, with homelessness comes housing, and we gotta solve our housing crisis. And any, an extra, any extra money we have, if ever, needs to continue to be allocated to affordable housing, because that's the only way that we're gonna be able to solve some of our immediate problems here in Sacramento and beyond. Um, and just thank you to the city finance team and to our city manager for this budget. You know, we get a lot of calls from 311, a lot of emails from constituents. They want to see their trash picked up, their parks clean, their parks lit. They want to see events. They want public safety. They want, you know, it's, they're emailing us constantly and they're submitting their 311 reports. And the most important thing that we can do as a city is respond within a 24 to 72 hour period. And in order to do so, we need a fully staffed workforce and all the equipment and resources our staff needs, and we need to support our city employees. And so thank you, city manager and your team for preparing this budget, and uh, we'll leave you with our agreements uh, so that we can have a full service city because that's what our residents want. Thank you, so, thank you so much, council member. I'm gonna add to those comments in a moment. Um, Mayor Pro Tem Vang. Thanks, Mayor. Um, just have uh, some comments and just a few questions um, and follow-up directions. Um, first, I wanted to take this moment to thank uh, Marthala, uh, Laney, and also our city manager, uh, just really for your hard work, um, especially our finance team. You know who you are. Worked really hard to get us to this moment, so I just want to say thank you um, because it's not something, we, you know, it's not a project that we do overnight. It's lots of meetings, crunching numbers, and so I just really want to say thank you. Uh, I'm really looking forward to uh, the conversation conversation this month around our budget all the way up to June and hopefully that we're able to pass a budget that centers our employees as we heard earlier from Councilmember Talamantes um, ensuring that we could staff our employees up and, and ensure that we're delivering our basic city services um, but then also a budget that really centers our um, most vulnerable uh, neighborhoods and families um, that need support especially because uh, while the World Health Organization has declared that uh, we have kind of ended this pandemic it's a epidemic now. Um, I know that there are many residual impacts from the pandemic um, and we as a city will have to uh, deal with that and ensure that we center and uplift our, our families. Um, in particular, I wanted just to, to speak on a few things. One is the Sacramento Children's Fund. Um, as you all know, November 2020, uh, November 22, uh, November 2022, voters did pass Measure L uh, to ensure that we set aside funding to support our young people in the city. Uh, I'm really grateful. Thank you, um, city manager and team, that we're actually kicking it off today by creating that multi-year operating budget line. I want to say thank you for that. Um, I know that I have requested a timeline to be shared publicly uh, regarding the implementation of the Sacramento Children's Fund. Um, and also, I want to ensure that you know we only not set aside these dollars, uh, but how can we be smarter in leveraging um, these set-aside dollars to draw in more funding to support our young people in the city. Um, city Manager, I do want to acknowledge, I want to say thank you to you. I know you've been in conversation with the SAC Kids First Coalition and community members, and I want to say thank you. Um, it's going to be really incredibly important that we continue to involve community voices and youth voices um, in the implementation. Um, I know that in the upcoming weeks, we're going to have several budget discussions on various departments from police, 
from FIRE and from YPSI. Um, and I'd like to request that um, when it is time for YPSI to come uh, to this council um, to discuss their, their budget, if possible, if we can provide an, a high-level overview implementation on the Sacramento Children's Fund uh, timeline. I think that's important because I think it, the community have asked me, you know, what are we doing around the implementation? What are the deadlines? When can we access these dollars? Even though you and I know the answer, it's incredibly important that we're transparent and uh, we let the community know uh, what's happening with the implementation. So that's my first request, because I know that's in the queue for YPSI to uh, come to council. Yeah, we'll absolutely do that as part of their presentation. Okay, great. Thank you, thank you, City Manager. Um, secondly, um, City Manager, I know I've spoken to you this as well, um, but just wanted to just uh, put this on record. You know, uh, when I was reviewing the budget, I also didn't see the allocation to support the to support the implementation of the youth liaison seat that this council passed in 2022 in this budget. Um, I believe the item has already been passed. It's gone through the youth the Youth Commission, and now it's headed to PNP. Um, and just want to make sure that uh, we're able to set aside funding. I know uh, these are dust dollars, decimal points, um, in, in supporting this young person who's going to be sitting next to me on the City Council. Uh, but just want to make sure that, um, you know, we set aside those dollars to support the implementation because we want this young person to succeed. Um, so just wanted to make sure I flag that. Yeah, you, you and I had this chat offline, but it's important that we have this publicly here that it's going to go through PNP. Yep. And however this comes back for the, the council, uh, we'll, we'll figure it out. As you mentioned, yeah, the ask is somewhere north of $40,000. Yeah. Uh, depending on how it comes out of there, it might be more, it might be less, but it, it will not be a problem. Great. Um, and then lastly, I just wanted to touch on uh, Vice Mayor Guerra's uh, point earlier he made around the language access ordinance. I know earlier this year, our city auditor shared some uh, efficiency and gaps in our language access here in the city of Sacramento. Um, and I know, uh, city manager, you and your team's working hard on creating an internal policy. Uh, we're working on a city-wide ordinance as well. Um, but the thing about policy is that you could pass a policy, but if you don't have the dollars to implement the policy, um, then the policy doesn't come really into effect. And so, I also want us to be cognizant um, as we're working through that, that uh, we're thinking about setting aside dollars to support uh, the language access uh, internal policy that you're working on in our ordinance uh, to ensure that all of our city services is truly accessible um, for our residents in the city of Sacramento. I know you just mentioned that we'll be meeting next week, so we're really looking forward to that meeting. Um, but that's pretty much it. And then I just, again, want to thank city staff, all our various departments, um, for all the work that you do day in, day out. I know earlier the city manager mentioned that uh, many of our contracts are up. Um, and really looking forward to making sure that those contracts also really support um, all of our employees who are our frontline folks that are taking care of our community. So thank you so much. Thank you. A um, couple comments from your mayor, chair of the committee. Um, and this is directed to the public, but also to the city staff, because we don't often get a chance to interact uh, talking about the philosophy or direction of the city. And we've got great relationships up here and you're, you're, you are well led um, in terms of all, by by Howard and team, um, in terms of ensuring that uh, your departments and uh, are are strong and kept strong. I just wanted to relate to you a little bit of philosophy here in terms of how I've looked at this, and I suppose it's the old uh, biblical phrase, you know, for everything a season, um, and. During the first years of uh, my mayorship, when we had significant surpluses and we had the benefit of the federal ARPA and CARES funding, I know that um, I pushed very hard, and I think the entire council did, consistent with um, the community and the passage of Measure U, which no matter how one feels about it, I always say that $65 million 
um, help save the city budget um, and it, at some risk, by the way, some political risk to go out and do that. But for years, uh, we have been pushing an agenda that says it's important that we actually invest directly in our community, in our community, in addition to providing strong basic city services. Mm -hmm. And that's why we developed this whole framework around inclusive economic development. That's where Measure L comes from. Um, it's where the housing agenda comes from, certainly homelessness and affordable housing. And I completely agree with Councilmember Talamantes, the need for a more broad and robust uh, housing trust fund. We've tried, and I think we've done a pretty good job balancing the needs of the city organization, certainly when it came to the American Rescue Plan. We set aside $25 million directly for the city organization. And so we, and I, but uh, the city leadership, are not giving up on this idea of a sustained uh, community investment strategy, uh, especially around inclusive economic development. Because we have so few tools, right? I mean, we rely on these enhanced infrastructure finance districts, which are complicated and limited. We've passed Measure N, which is going to allow us to invest real capital into economic development around tourism. Um, we, we have employee incentives that we can use, uh, as we did with Centene. We have to continue that drive. And when I say, though, there's a season for everything, this is a season for making sure that we are working especially closely with our labor partners and with you to reinvest very purposefully in the infrastructure of the city government itself. And if there is a consensus on this city council, I promise you that um, though we would love to, you know, all we, we'd love to take $17 million and figure out now how we put it into community. Um, we're taking that $17 million and more because we're going to find more and we're going to put it um, into partnership with our employee exclusive employee representatives and our employees to make sure that we are that we are showing you the respect that you deserve and that we are addressing the recruitment and retention issue, which is a very real one in our city. So that's what this season is about. People ask, I've been asked, well, Mayor, when are you putting out your big mayor's letter, your, you know, your, your letter outlining the priorities? And I, I'm not going to do it this time because the priorities, I think, are pretty well defined by consensus with the money that we have. Now, we're, gonna, we're creative. We're going to find a thing or two to uh, not argue about, but, you know, to try to... Try to try to try to get in the budget here or there. You know that's that's part of it, right? To try to, and we will get back to finding a balance because it's always a balance. Continuing to strengthen the organization, including traditional public safety, but at the same time we must not relent on the arc we have set to say part of our city function now is to invest directly into economic development because that's how we're gonna that's how we're gonna raise a tax base and we're gonna be able to be able to provide more and better services over time. But this is the season we strengthen the organization. And I think that's what this budget reflects. Is there anything else? Okay, um, do we vote? Do we? Uh... Yes, 
pass a motion? We pass a motion to move both items to move both items to the council. I think we might consider that. Okay, but we're not voting on the city budget until June, just so we're clear. This is just, uh, you know, this is the opening bid, as they say. Okay, so I'll let's move take to read the presentation, both the presentations oh. to the council. Okay, both to the council. Okay, all in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed, abstain. All right. We do need a motion on the consent calendar. And we need a motion on the consent calendar. Thank you. Okay. Moved and second. All in favor, please say aye. Aye. Opposed, abstain. That passes. All right. Anything else to come before? The committee, if there is nothing else. Going to do public comment. We have, we have one more fees and charges, of course. And then public comment, sorry. Good morning, Mayor Steinberg and committee members. My name is Jason Bader with the Finance Department. The item before you is the annual citywide fee schedule update. The citywide fees and charges policy sets the guidelines to determine cost recovery, cost recovery levels and establishes a process to add, modify, and delete fees and charges. All fees included in this report qualify as exceptions to Proposition 26, which prohibits the city from increasing taxes by defining them as fees. Staff is recommending adding 37 new fees, modifying 310 fees, and deleting 21 fees for a total of 368 changes affecting seven departments. This will generate approximately $2 million of revenue for the general fund and $740,000 of revenue for the other funds. The associated revenue adjustments are necessary to provide appropriate cost recovery related to city programs and services, and these increases are included as part of the FY23-24 budget. There's one fee change I need to read into the record the justification for utilities fee number 339 in attachment A on page 28 should read, full cost recovery, non-refundable two-hour deposit for plan review, striking the words commerciate permits. If you have specific questions about items included in the report, we have staff available from all seven departments here today. Staff is recommending that the committee pass a motion and forward the citywide fee schedule updates to city council for the May 16th public hearing. Thank you. All right, is there public testimony on the fee and charge schedule? Um, yes, Mayor, I have one hand raised to make comment on this. Uh, Lori? Lori, I'll be on mute. Uh, yes, I'm not sure whether this has to do with the fee schedule, but my name is Lori Littman. I'm um, a member of Third Act Sacramento, and I'm just appalled that the, the budget does not center climate change. We're in for a lot of serious pain as a, as a city and as a world. And you guys are acting like this is business as usual. Um, if you cared about children, you would be centering climate change. If you cared about the future um, of our city, you would be centering climate change. Um, there are only two people in the climate uh, staff. And we had um, a mayor's commission on climate change, which I was a member of. And I think that was theater. I'm just so appalled and disappointed that, that our city leaders do not seem to understand the urgency of what's going on. You need to increase the staff, 
working on climate, you need to put money into the actions that you've already agreed need to be done and stop acting like it's business as usual. It's not. Our future is going to be very, um, very vulnerable. We're all very vulnerable right now. Um, anyway, you know what you need to do and you need to fund climate action at the very highest level you absolutely can. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Mary, I have one final speaker, Keon. Hi, uh, Budget and Audit Committee. I'm calling in, I tried to call in for the uh, proposed budget before, but unfortunately due to the limits that you all have created when it comes to public comment, I wasn't able to raise my hand in time. Uh, and I think that's really the reason uh, I remember I did hear you lament, uh, Mayor, about why public like members of the public aren't here at this meeting at 10 a.m. on a work day on Tuesday and why they aren't participating more in these conversations. The fact of the matter is, is that you do not invite them to participate. You, this is not a welcoming space, much less is it a participatory space, because you have literally gained the rules from your rules of procedure to stifle and dislike and limit how people can participate. We only have two minutes of public comment, which most people do not aren't able to get all of their thoughts out in the span of two minutes. And you cut off public comment after the first speaker begins. And this is like this is sometimes even cut off earlier, which I have actually tracked uh, over across dozens of meetings over the last few years. And it simply has gotten worse, which is why you see so many people show up during city council meetings at 5 p.m. after the workday uh, to call uh, to call that shit out. Unfortunately, nothing has changed. And, you, uh, and if you want people to actually participate meaningfully in this conversation, it would make more sense not to just do it during inconvenient times, as well as keeping the comment queue open, such as like the County Board of Supervisors does. The clerk there actually allows public comment to stay open until the last speaker is finished. And if uh, someone comes in on the last speaker, they can continue speaking. Yes, it takes a lot of time, but then again, that's exactly what you're paid for. All of you, six-figure salaries, uh, like plus with total pay and benefits to do that. And then we aren't cut off so rudely uh, by that clerk either, uh, the way that we are now, where you just like literally shut us off in the next five seconds, like um, is about to do now. One second, boom. Thank you for your cut comments. Off. Mary, I have no more speakers. Okay. Vice Mayor. Yeah, thank you, Mr. Mayor. Um, first, uh, Mr. Mayor, I'll move the item. Thanks, staff, for that. But I did want to uh, get a update um, and also thank our staff and former council member Jason Neer for his work on the fees and fine policy and I'd like to find out kind of where we are in that progress I know it's an ever-evolving um, um, uh, issue we're working on uh, you know the fines and uh, are intended to you know address a particular issue we're facing but I want to make sure that we don't lose sight of that balance of, of addressing both the, the fees and fines and then uh, the the issues of, of how if they become too punitive how um, how we can address any inequities that are caused by them so uh, but I just like to get an update on that it doesn't have to be here but um, but soon I'd like to find out where we're on on, on that Thanks, yeah and with that I'll move the item moved and seconded all in favor please say aye aye, aye. opposed 
Passes. Thank you. All right, are there other public testimony? Uh, Mayor, this is a special meeting, so there's not an opportunity for matters not on the agenda. Okay. All right, we will carry this over till 5 o'clock uh, this afternoon. Thank you. We're adjourned.